Ah, oh, hello again, Paul. Hello, come into the office. How are you feeling this week? Ah, oh, Dr. Hornystapler. I'm, I'm feeling well, yeah. I was, I was just thinking about all the, all the sessions we've had, you know, so many, so many memories and good discussions, really good discussions we've had. Oh, so, so many, yes. Like when I came and talked about that problem and you gave me the, that advice, remember that? I'm sure there's been a few of those sorts of moments, Paul. Clearly, they, they sunk in. Yeah. There was that time where you said that thing that really meant something to me. Remember that? Yeah. Lots and lots. And very, very many sessions so far, Paul. Hmm. I, I, I think I've really got to know you well over all that time, Dr. Horny Stapler. Hmm. I... Well, what else have you found helpful and, and memorable from your point of view? Oh, there was that session we had that was the, where we talked, that one. Anyway, I, I think it's really helping. Yeah, that's, I, I, am, I am glad that you are getting something out of this. That's one of us. DCOCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event in order from 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths, and we have found our way in 2015, and uh, I'd like to call it a little event called Convergence, but it's actually huge! Convergence! It's a nine-issue mini, and there were 40 uh, tie-in series of two issues each, which makes 89 comics, and I read almost all of them! (laughs) All of them! And we are doing this today. We are. I'm joined by Mike from. Hello, everyone. You know Mike. Everyone knows Mike. We also have David Mike. Gallagher from. Uh, where Where would we say he's from? He's a writer. He's a comic writer. He actually wrote part of Convergence. Mm-hmm. This is a first for us. We have someone involved in the show who was actually part of the comic series, and um, mm. yeah, that makes me very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, David. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me. And before we start, David, just tell us a little bit about what you've got going on in the comic world now. Okay, well, um, I I cut my teeth uh, writing digital comics for Marvel and DC. Uh, Back in the day, I wrote High Moon, which was a werewolf western that eventually ended up opening some doors for me to write Convergence for DC Comics. 
but I also write uh, The Only Living Boy, which is an action-packed adventure series uh, set in a post-apocalyptic world. And its companion series, The Only Living Girl, they've been nominated for Harvey Awards and Ringo Awards. It's a lot of fun if you love, like, Thundar the Barbarian or The Jungle Book or The Island of Dr. Moreau or Saturday Morning Cartoons. It's, it's kind of the adventure comic that you always wish you read when you were 11. I am going to read that as soon as I'm... Yeah, I've, I've just come out from the Convergence Tunnel and I'm looking for other things to read. So, yeah, I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I do like those things. Yeah, if you were like a commandy or you were a fan of like, you know, any of that Flash Gordon pulp stuff, we, we really Hello. draw on a lot of those influences. <laughs> Hello. Oh, you're tickling Mike's tummy feathers there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, let's talk about Convergence then. So, um... Now, there's a reason this event happened, and it's unusual, uh, unlike all the other events. This one was done to give... Uh, what's the word? It's, uh, it's to give breathing room to the production process of comics because the DC officers were moving from New York to Burbank. Um, so they needed to basically clear the schedule of the regular books to buy themselves some time, and yeah, so I think Mari Javens and Joey Cavalieri and Dan DiDio and David Pinner, the editors, uh, had to pull together an event to fill this uh, two-month gap in their schedule. And, yeah, they they found writer Jeff King, and they paired him with Dan Jurgens and Scott Lobdell, and, and they found the artists, uh, Ethan Van Siver, Carlo Pagalion, uh, Jason Paz, Stephen Segovia, Andy Kubert, Sandra Hope, Ed Bennis, Eduardo Pansica, Trevor Scott, Scott Hanna, Wayne Foucher, Aaron Lepresti, and Mark Morales to work on the main series with uh, letterers Trevor Slanham and Rob Lay. Um, and they got colorist Marcelo Maiolo, uh, John Starr, Peter Stegewald, and Brad Anderson. And, yeah, but that's just the main series, because there were 40 miniseries connected to this. And it's, it's all different times and places from DC's past. So um, the first week is basically it's the uh, pre-Flashpoint characters, so just stepping back a few years to about 2010 or 11 in time in comic time. Yep. And then the second week was the pre-Zero Hour characters, and the third week was uh, around Crisis on Infinite Earths, and the fourth week was before Crisis on Infinite Earths. When I heard this event was coming, it was very hard to get a handle on what it was. Um, because it looked like it was, uh, uh, what, what do we call it, a petting zoo at the pre-52 or something like that, where you get to <laughs> revisit things that are gone and go, oh, that was nice, I wish that was back. But having read it now, um, it's it's something different. It's Well, it's actually, um, it's sort of got, had some build-up in the Superman books with Brainiac coming and infecting Superman with the Doomsday virus, where Superman became Doomsday. Um, and it was all part of Brainiac's plan. And it's also um, the sort of conclusion of Earth 2 World's End, <laughs> which yep. is... Yeah, and it, yeah, it's, it's lots of strange things. So, <clears throat> what do we think about it? Mike, what do you think is the main series about? Well, uh, in a very basic nutshell, yeah, Brainiac is collecting cities from different times and, and parts of the multiverse and putting them all on this planet... <laughs> basically to face off against each other. <laughs> and they are watched over by this new character, this, uh, I guess you call him uh, the ward of, of Brainiac, this guy called uh, Telos, uh, who basically, yeah, says to all the cities, fight for supremacy, basically. And those of you that <laughs> win the fight, 
will survive in this new world. But then, uh, should I spoil it, what happens, or should I leave it for someone else? <laughs> because <laughs> then it takes a bit of a sharp turn and brings in longtime fan favourite, Demos. <laughs> Demos! Demos! Oh, look, you know, well known for his last appearance in uh, The Secret Six uh, in 2011, so four years before that. And before then, the Warlord series from the 70s and 80s. But yeah, then Demos turns up and he's deciding to take over everything and destroy everything and everyone, and it takes a really weird turn. Hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And... David, you were involved on, you know, the production side of this. So what was it like on the inside of this event? Like, what brief were you given for your part? And tell us about your part. So uh, on my birthday of 2000, I met Dan DiDio. Obviously, I'd done work on High Moon for DC, and we had won the Harvey Award in uh, 2008. And a few years later, uh, Dan DiDio and I met at San Diego Comic-Con. We had a really great conversation about where he saw my place in the new 52. And then uh, in 2014, on my birthday, he had called me and invited me to be a part of this event. And they basically gave me, yeah, sort of a lot of what you were talking about. Uh, Not all the details were um, fleshed out as they were trying to invite us to participate. So they just gave us like a real top-line view of, of what it would look like. And, it, yeah, basically, it, it was like Brainiac's glass menagerie in a lot of ways. And so I, I had already written a couple of uh, Green Lantern inventory stories. Um, and so the team at DC thought I would have a really good handle on Green Lantern. So they invited me to do Green Lantern from the era. Um, the challenge was... That my main character, I was like, oh, well, Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart, they're really pre-crisis Green Lanterns at the time. They're like, no, David, you're going to work on Guy Gardner, who, <laughs> as we know, come, came out during – like, re- I mean, he debuted in the 60s, but really made his grand stride mid um, – sort of mid-crisis on Infinite Earths. Can I just chime in? Guy Gardner debuted on my birthday, the day I was born. Aww. Wow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so it was it was really interesting to as Guy Gardner was not a character that I enjoyed, uh, but then after reading the issues that took place uh, around Crisis and some of the uh, issues that sort of led up to him being written out of the comics during the uh, the O'Neill run on Green Lantern and Green Arrow, um, I found a, a lot of opportunities to really tell a really interesting story about Guy. Um, I had worked previously with the New York City Police Department for about half a decade and was able to take some of my experiences there and, and really tell a story about a, essentially Guy Gardner as a cop who was wounded, a space cop, who was wounded in the line of duty and, and sort of his desire to want to get back on, quote unquote, the force and how convergence and everything that happens in convergence sort of messes up when I was given. So that was sort of like the the emotional story that I I, I brought to D.C. I was like, I, I want to tell this story. And they said, that's great. These are the parameters. Every story has to have this, this, this and this. So. None of the characters have powers, so because ev- everybody's story sort of 
Everybody lives under a dome. Nobody has powers. You have to fight against the other, this other world that you will be assigned. Um, and you can pick the characters within that world, but you know, you, you can fight the other characters who will be assigned. And there has to be an earthquake in the second story that runs across all of the books. And those were like the five things. Um, so working with that, I was able to tell a, a really fun story and, Every character had to fight, and the major fight that I wanted to have was have um, – I, I wanted Guy Gardner to kind of use his own experiences to win because he's not going to win in a fight against Hercules. So I found a cool, clever way for him and Hercules to sort of go at it and then still have Guy reconcile with how Jordan and the rest of the people – there's a lot there. Anyway, I brought that to DC. They they liked it. We I brought in Steve Ellis who I had worked with at Marvel and worked with on high moon. Uh, and I, it came together really, really well. I'm really happy with the results. Yeah. I, it was a really nice character piece and a, you know, a good story and surprisingly harsh on Hal Jordan, which I really appreciated. So I, Hal Jordan is Hal Jordan, in my opinion, and this just comes from a guy who wrote him, not just in these issues, but in a couple of issues yet to come out. Um, I, he's my least favorite Green Lantern of all the Green Lanterns. He's he's like lower on the totem pole than Sinestro oh. in terms of like. <laughs> it's not just that the the whole parallax thing because that's one. No, thing. no, he's a dick. <laughs> but he slept when when Guy Gardner was presumed dead. Hal slept with Guy's girlfriend and tried to just uh, slept with her and then tried to marry her. You know, like, all, like, very suddenly. You're like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's... It is... Hal Jordan is terrible around that period. Yeah, yeah and... And... Uh, I don't... Uh, he has questionable... He dates women of very questionable ages. Like, with <laughs> yeah. Aresia. So, I mean, he is not a... He is not a pillar of uh, moral uh, virtue. Yeah. No. And you're writing in that interesting period just before sort of Guy exploded in uh, Justice League International and, you know, where he became a comic foil. So, you know, there's a lot more texture to him at this stage. So, yeah, I really appreciate your story. But um, Yeah, well, thank you. And it was really interesting because um, I think a lot of people didn't know that when they read Guy in Crisis that he was coming from a place of being lobotomized by Sinestro and General Zod, when he was he, when he woke up from his coma, his brain hadn't fully healed. The the guardians of the universe just put his brain back together as best as they could without a full understanding of the nuances of the human brain. Yeah. And so he came back. He was already brain damaged. And they, they're like, you're awake. Uh, you kind of fixed your brain a little. Go. We are Green Lantern. And my take on, on Guy was always that he's. He does the right thing the wrong ways. Yeah. You know, and that's that he's irrationally heroic, mm. you know, and that's I, that's the kind of character that that makes it. That's what makes him so enjoyable. But he is definitely um, he's definitely kind of crazy. Yeah. So this sounds like the process where you actually really came to appreciate Guy Gardner. Yeah, I, I ended up. He's now, I think, one of my favorite DC Comics characters. Oh, lovely. Awesome. I know. So, Convergence as a whole. Now, um, you, you've got the main series, you've got all these side stories. 
what are your favourite bits of it? What's the biggest deals? What's the bit you thought, that was amazing, that was cool? David, what's your favourite part of it all? Oh, man, my favourite part are those character pieces where we're looking at, at different takes on characters or creative teams that we haven't seen in a while. Cully Hamner and Greg Ruka working on the question, I think, was just so like emotionally powerful. Uh, I really liked, um, honestly, I really liked the uh, Harlequin Steve Pugh uh, story. I thought that that just was really nice because we like dove into her relationship with Poison Ivy a bit. Um, but I think uh, I was blown away by the Doc Shaner Shazam stuff. That to me was uh, was one of the the peak highlights of that uh, of that that whole thing was just this outstanding, in a way, celebration of of how unique and outlandish and wonderful and beautiful uh, and dark that DC can be. You know, one of the things that's interesting about Convergence for me is that it wasn't just it wasn't just like Guy Gardner arm wrestling Hercules or flash fighting tangent Superman. Like all of it was just such a celebration of, of everything that 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 is wonderful about DC. All the little side universes, all the little else worlds. And that's something we, we hadn't really seen in a long time from DC. And and it was really just a great um, opportunity to be a part of something that that I think not since I don't think we've seen anything like it since then until uh, CW did the Crisis on Infinite Earth special. Oh wow! You know, you know what I mean? Like, because that was a celebration of, of all these different TV shows. Obviously, Hawk and Dove and Birds yep. of Prey and the Super Friends and like Titans and Doom Patrol. It, that to me is that to me is amazing. The 1990s Flash TV show, I mean, that to me is really amazing. The 1966 Batman movie, like our TV show, like that to me is that to me is great. Is really doing something that is a wink and a nod to the fans, but in the process tries to tell a really great story. I thought Crisis was phenomenal. I never thought I'd see Crisis on television. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to see something of crisis scale in a way in 2015 uh, it was it was unbelievable it was just a really fantastic event to be a part of and i think that yeah the things that i really loved about it were all the all the unique character bits and all the watching ron mars come back and and work on hal jordan and kyle rayner in green lantern parallax you know all that stuff is all that stuff was just really fun to, to see and celebrate. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Mike, what, what do you think was the best bits that you read? I, I agree with David, uh, mainly that, yeah, it was a nice big celebration of DC's entire multiverse uh, with all the different books that came out during this time as part of Convergence. But my absolute favorite one, uh, because I, I got the main series, uh, but then for whatever reason, and probably financial at the time, I only picked up a couple of the, the tie-ins, and those being Shazam and the New Teen Titans. Titans, because that had um, the second worst version of the Doom Patrol in there. <laughs> um, 
and then uh, Shazam because Doc Shana and Jeff Parker. Um, I, I I love that pairing creatively, and they got me to read a Shazam book, which, as David just said, was fantastic fun. It was so much fun. But yeah, the, the, those were the the highlights for me, basically. Mm. Yeah, what about what about you, Paul? What what were your highlights of it? Well, reading the whole thing. Uh... I was amazed by the main mini of Convergence because it is just so gonzo. It's insane. It's really all over the place. And it was really surprising. Yes. Like, I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know how it was going to get there. I didn't know what it was trying to do. Um, but the minis are a real treat. So, across the board... Okay, I'm, I'm going to look at... Let's name some in uh, week one. Uh, week one started off, and that's the, the most recent continuity. And a lot of those are basically patching up things that they didn't get to finish off in the um, pre-Flashpoint stuff. So, for instance, um, the Atom, the second Atom, has been murdered by Deathstroke, and there's a whole story about bringing him back to life and how Deathstroke gets punished. And they actually steal mass from Deathstroke to uh, fix the Atom, so Deathstroke ends up with tiny hands at the end of that, which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Deathstroke, yeah. And they also... um, You've got Arsenal, or um, Speedy, as he used to be known. His daughter got killed in the uh, much-beloved Cry for Justice. (laughs) And they fix that. So they bring his daughter back to life, and that's really cool. And, you know, so that first... um, The first batch of miniseries is really sort of looking at recent things. And uh, in that, there was... um, the Superman one, which was written by Dan Jurgens, and that was like, ah, oh, bringing back the classic Superman that you really, you missed. You haven't had it for years, and Superman and Lois married, and Lois is pregnant, and that leads to Jonathan Kent, who uh, is the character who is now continuing in the Legion of Superheroes, and Young Justice, and mm-hmm. in the Superman books, so, woo! Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that was in week one. Um, week two, which is pre-Zero Hour, uh... Oh, I, I think, I think, Jonathan Kent was the best thing to come out of this event. I mean, I'm sort of jumping the gun, but yeah. let's keep going. <laughs> no, absolutely. And probably the only real thing that stuck from this, apart from um, an openness to sort of celebrate their history a bit more and, you know, what was good. Um, so the Superman book certainly got a boost from this. Uh, week two now. Um, there's some really good art in week two, but the stories, and none of them really... Actually, Supergirl Matrix by Keith Giffen. Um, that is when uh, Supergirl is uh, the the blobby alien Matrix one, and she's dating uh, Lex Luthor the second, or the clone of Lex Luthor, the Aussie Lex Luthor with the long red hair. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they get attacked by... Uh, it's the world with um, Lady Quark and Lord Volt, and, um, yeah... That is hilarious because, you know, Lady Quark is a lesbian and her husband doesn't know. And, yeah, there's lots, oh of, there's lots of stuff like that. And it ends up with um, Supergirl beating the absolute crap out of um, Lex Luthor II and uh, ambush bugs in that one. So very amused by that one. In week three, um, Green Lantern Corps. I've got to mention that one. David Gallagher <laughs> and Steve Ellis. <laughs> Um, yeah, really good character work by Guy Gardner. A good story, really good story. The Swamp Thing one by Len Wein with art by Kelly Jones. Mmm, that was just beautiful. Um, and that was one of Len Wein's last stories. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he died, what, 2017, around then? Yeah. yeah. I really liked, I uh, really enjoyed um, Hawkman by Jeff Parker and Tim Truman sort of doing his best Joe Cuber. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real combined, uh, you know, two things that you don't think go together, and they go together really well. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I thought it was absolutely stellar. Yeah. Ellen, there's something to be said for Marv Wolfman uh, going back and doing new Teen Titans. You know, those are classic characters. So that Mm. was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely... um, I mean, looking back at these characters, they can say things explicitly which they couldn't say before. So there's pr- some pretty explicit stuff about um, Jericho uh, being homosexual, uh, which is, you know, really welcome. And uh, you wish they could do that back in the day. Right. Which um, they couldn't. So, yeah. Uh, and then week four was... That was the big surprise, because continuity-wise, I'm the least across the continuity of um, the pre-crisis era. I've, you know, I've read the least of that. And some of those stories were fantastic. Like, uh, I didn't expect to enjoy the Crime Syndicate story by Brian Bucalato. And that was amazing. And the art by Phil Winslow was terrific. And um, the Blue Beetle and Booster Gold story. Now, the Booster Gold story, I read that. It made no sense. And then I realised you have to read the Booster Gold Future's End story to lead into that. And you see, there's actually all this set up for... Um, for convergence in that future Zen story, and you didn't. I b- bought that at the time and read it, and said, so I don't understand this at all. And then I never followed it mm. up with the other Booster Gold story. And it's actually is it's, that the one where Brainiacs is that the one where Brainiacs starting to steal the cities across yeah, the time? Yeah, and Booster Gold's bouncing around, but you don't really know what's happening or how it's happening. Um, so, mm. and this ties into the Booster Gold from the New Fifty Two Justice League International who um, he was in that team and then another Booster Gold showed up and saw uh, Superman and Wonder Woman kissing and said, oh no, and then vanished in time. And so that's connected to that. And yeah, I had no idea that was in there, but yeah, there's like a separate Booster Gold story happening across time for about 10 years in the New 52. That uh, yeah, <laughs> And that ties right into Convergence at the end, the, the main series, so... And, of course, um, everyone's talked about the Shazam series. That is the one. That is the best of the entire run. So um, if you mm. only got two wow. issues out of Convergence, they're the two to get because the art is in- incredible and the story is so much fun. Um, and it's you know a love letter to the Shazam family. It's got all the characters. It's got all the villains. In it, and that, it has an incredibly goofy take on the, um, the Gotham by Gaslight world with uh, all the <laughs> villains in there. It's... Yeah, chef's kiss. Mwah. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, nothing much to mention there for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still amazed. I'm still amazed that you read like 99% of it all. That's that's a massive effort, Paul. Yeah, well, well done. Yeah, well it was this is like the first event that's a real blind spot for me. I mean, I pretty much read every single event that we've covered. Um, before, but this one I hadn't. I, I had it sitting there waiting for years because I knew we were going to get to it. And um, the nature of DCOCD is you're always reading something, so you don't read things for fun there very often. Um, yes. It was coming. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it actually changed my life because uh, when it was coming up, I thought, oh, well, how am I going to read these? Do I start buying them on Comixology? And I had bought one or two of them on Comixology over the years, like I had the Convergence miniseries. I actually went and got a mm-hmm. VPN, and uh, then I set it to America, and then I joined DC Universe, the app. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm a contributing American user of um, the DC Universe <laughs> app now. And I have the DC Universe app, and I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So um, I'm very glad that it's actually going to come out to the rest of the world um, in about nine months. So that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, but until yes. then, I'm going to use the hell out of it, because I'm in that era where there's things I need to read on there. So... Um, and it's allowing me to read 
older comics that I've never really had access to or the, the money to go and buy. Like, I've never read All-Star Squadron or Infinity Inc. or the early um, Batman and the Outsiders, so I've got all that queued up, and it's I'm going to get to it. But yeah, I read just about all of these minis on the DC Universe app, and mm, it's really fantastic and uh, well worth it, for, despite all the uh, weirdness to try and get it. So, yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Convergence. 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 Yeah, but the main series is nuts. Like, it really, it starts off and it's got, you know, um, switches between current day DC Universe characters and some of them are, like, Superman's on this world and Telos is there and Brainiac's been defeated, but Telos has been left on his own. So he's like this um, omnipotent sort of... um, He's like an early Star Trek villain, you know, he's, he's godlike powers and baby mentality. And, uh, yeah, he decides, oh, I'll have everyone fight. And you go, well, why? And I, go, I don't know, I'm just going to do it. And then um, the earthquake. I've read all of these. I don't know why the earthquake happens. I can't remember. Can anyone remember why the earthquake happens? No. <laughs> yeah, it was a, like a ripple. It was like a ripple in time. And so the earthquake, in a way, is supposed to show how everything is crumbling and that there's everything is sort of collapsing in on itself. Yeah, right. so all the domes are on one planet and, um, yeah, Telus has lost control. And Deimos is actually, he's the one who knows what's happening. So Skataris is inside Telus's planet and um, he's collecting time travellers or Brainiac was collecting time travellers and then Deimos wants all the time travellers and Booster Gold escaped from being collected um, and... Yeah, and he, uh, Deimos needs to kill everyone to gain power, um, and he manipulates the villains. Uh, yeah, so th- the second half of the miniseries is Deimos all the time. It's very strange. Um, well, but also dinosaurs with machine guns. Dinosaurs, machine guns, <laughs> yep. Yeah, lizard yeah. men, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it's great. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's just nuts. It feels like, you know, you start off, you're watching one type of movie, and suddenly it turns into another. And at the end, it all sort of... Uh, everything gets put back together. That's that's the secret of all. Everything gets put back. Everyone's okay. All the worlds that got destroyed are actually fine. All the cities are fine. Everyone's continuity gets reinstated. Everyone forgets about it, so they can, you know, go back to the point in time where they were. And sometimes, some of the issues of the miniseries, you can go, okay, I think this happened around here in this continuity of those characters, and... Yeah, like uh, the Detective Comics one is, you know, Huntress um, and uh, Dick Grayson after Batman has died. And, you know, so he's deciding whether to wear the cowl or not. And Len Wein gets to tell that story. So, uh, you know, there's definite um, points where people tapped into and said, you know, did you do that with your issues? You say this happens between these ones? Yeah. And so it it happens right around 180 to 181 of Green Lantern Corps. Wow. Okay. Cool. Cut and paste them in there, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, and the Legion of Superheroes, you can see, oh, this person's dead, but that one isn't, so you can do that. You can play that game with this series if you care to. It was unexpected to me. I, d- I didn't realise what we were getting, and um, when I got it, it was like, oh, you know, it's it's like a box of all sorts. There's, you know, some you go, mm, this, I like this one, no, oh, this one's a bit nutty, I don't like that one, you know, but different tastes and all that, so... It's very strange. So, what came out of it? So, David already mentioned John Kent, and, um, you know, he's become a really big character, and that's... uh, His birth is the thing that starts that, and really, 
Dan Jurgens got to continue the Superman story in the um, Superman and Lois miniseries after this, and that led to basically um, everyone going, well, New 52 Superman kind of sucks, let's kill him off and replace him with the old Superman, and then we'll just carry on as if no one really noticed, and that's what they did. <laughs> so... <laughs> Mm, yeah. yeah, so, I yeah. mean, I think there's definitely an element that people went, ah, oh, yeah, I really like this old stuff, and let's get back towards it. So, in some ways, it's probably the seeds of rebirth in here that, um, you know, this was like, yes. let's not chuck out all our old continuity and start again. Let's sort of um, blend it back together. Um, and this, I mean, Convergence really acknowledged that all that old continuity existed and still mattered. Um, and, yeah, but as always with the DC Universe, continuity and time and all that is very very fuzzy um so yeah uh anything else you guys that came out of this we got a telos miniseries did we yeah <laughs> really well, okay wow wow <laughs> i never read that i was not aware yeah jack king wrote it i believe oh wow okay i have to check that out was that any good I, I thought it was pretty good. I think it sort of addressed a lot of the uh, some of the issues that uh, were surrounding sort of what um, the next steps were for convergence. Ah, okay. And yeah, this is kind of the it's the towards the end officially of the New Fifty Two. The branding went away after this, and they launched DCU, which was sort of a let's freshen up the line a bit and. Um, while not a financial success, I love DCU. I thought there were so many good books that came out of this and, you know, so many things. And it was a lot looser with continuity, like, oh, the Prez book and the Starfire book. That, there were really good books in there, some of them. So, And the Martian Manhunter. Gotham Academy. Gotham Academy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Gotham by Midnight, that's another really good one. Yeah, there's some really good stuff. Anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't know if much came out of it officially, um, but maybe there's a spirit of it that sort of endured through it all um, and got stronger as a result. Anyway, we might play a promo and then we'll come back and do our scoring. The Only Living Boy is a young adult series that tells the story of 12-year-old Eric Farrell, who runs away from home, only to find himself without his memory, stranded on a patchwork planet with danger lurking around every corner. Every day is a struggle to survive. Eric quickly allies himself with Morgan, a mermaid warrior, and Thea, a teenage princess from a mysterious insect race. He'll need their help to escape the dreaded Lord Balakar and the evil Doctor Once, and maybe, one day, find his way back home. Harvey Award winners David Gallagher and Steve Ellis bring their critically acclaimed web series to print in these gorgeous collections exclusively from paper cuts. Pop Matters calls it magical. Publishers Weekly says a classic tale. Bleeding Cool says wild and vibrant. Mental Floss calls it an all-ages adventure book inspired by pulp serials, Saturday morning cartoons, Jack Kirby, and even the music of Paul Simon. The Only Living Boy, available online and in bookstores everywhere.
And now it's the part of the show where we score this one. And uh, the way we score is we have four categories. We have eventiness. How eventful is it? What you know? How big does it feel? Is it a really big miniseries type feel? Uh, how good's the writing? How good's the art and the covers? And what's the impact and legacy of it? And uh, Mike, I'm going to make you the semi today, the semi OCD, because we have one of our scores to get us to a score of 100. Because if we all get full scores, that makes it 100 out of 120. That doesn't look neat. So, Mike, we're going to have you. Is that, okay? is that okay, Mike? Can you handle that? That's more than fine with me, Paul. It's okay. probably for the best. <laughs> okay. So, eventiness. David, where do you think this fits in the eventiness scale? Uh, this is a 10 in terms of eventiness. I don't think there's been anything bigger since Crisis, and I don't think that there has been anything bigger since until we got Crisis on television. So, in terms of eventiness... And a snapshot of the entire DC universe and a celebration of all that it is, 10. 10, wow. I mean, well, maybe, maybe on par with, uh, maybe, maybe on par with, um, Justice League Avengers in terms of, uh, absolute scope and love of the DC universe, 10. Well, fair enough. Okay. Mike, what do you think? Oh, gee, look, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be objective. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I have some feelings about convergence. Um, look, I I'm going to give it an eight. It's and and yeah, because yes, it's an event. Yes, it covers pretty much anything and everything that DC's ever brought out. Um, but it still has a few speed bumps in the road <laughs> there, I guess. Um, so I'll, to make it nice and even for you, Paul, I'm going to call it eight. So that that will become a four. <laughs> Okay, thanks, Mike. Um, I, I'm giving it a nine. I think it's incredibly eventy. It covers a lot of scope. It loses one point for not having a, a recognisable version of the Doom Patrol in it that we love. So you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember when it was getting announced, going, "Where's the Doom Patrol? Where's the Doom Patrol? They've cancelled the book. Is there going to be, you know, we're we going to see like the Paul Kupperberg Doom Patrol, or you know, the why the... not Doom Force? I mean, that was that was. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And we didn't get it. So Shasta the Men Mountain. Come on, man. We need him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, we got the tangent. Yeah. So nine for me. All right, Mike, what about the writing? What do you think about the writing? Okay. I'm going to clarify that I am basing this score purely on uh, the main series. Fair, uh, fair I'm enough. excluding any times because I only ever bought and read two of those. So, And I... Uh, Man, <laughs> I have such mixed feelings about Convergence. I mean, because, yes, it's this huge, gonzo, wacky thing. I didn't enjoy the writing of the main series very much, I have to admit. Um, so I'm I'm going to give it a four, which will become a two. I just thought it was just all over the place. Um, and, yeah, it, it just takes such a weird turn when Deimos turns up. And it's like, wh- what? Really? That guy? Um, which, you know, uh, I'm betting a good portion of the audience uh, at the time would have no idea who Deimos was. And, yeah, it kind of just, like, ended, and it was like, oh, oh, okay, so I'm going to be a bit harsh and give it a four, which will come down to two. I think Darren and Ruth know who Deimos is, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) Man, who doesn't know who Deimos is? I used to have his action figure. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, I mean, like, uh, back in the 80s, Remco released yeah. here in the States the Warlord action figure line. And I had I re- Hercules and Deimos and Warlord. Oh, 
See, I grew up in Papua New Guinea, which was kind of a third world country at the time. Um, and I, so we got, we were fortunate to get comics over there. And I remember those Remco ads for the Warlord figures. Uh, right. And I was thinking, they're so cool. In Papua cool. New and, Guinea, they probably only had Machista. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't even get him out there. We were lucky to get anything like that out there. So, so I, 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 I envy your Warlord action figures, sir. <laughs> I never saw them in the wild in Australia, and you know I would have looked out for that sort of thing. So. That's that's the reason we have. I had that action figure, the Hercules action figure. So when I was assigned my realm, I was like, they were like, well, David, you Durvale can, can contains all this stuff. And I was like, it has Hercules Unbound in it. I had that action figure. Let's <laughs> fight. That's the reason. That I mean, that's that's a large part of the reason why I. It is what it is. It's, I had that Hercules action figure, and by golly, I was going to write about it. Wow. I know. All right. Well, my score is seven on the balance of all the writing, and I factoring all the, all the miniseries. The the main series is probably the weakest part of it all, but the miniseries, uh, they range from great to, to fine and, you know, everything in between. So on balance, I'm going to give it a seven. Now, David, can you do a, um, a an unbiased assessment of the writing? I would say, um, if I'm going through all of it, God, uh, 10 out of 10. No, uh, I think that they're, they're probably, if they're, if time permitted, the, what people don't know is that the main Convergence title has a lot of characters in it. Yeah. And, I mean, it has a lot of characters in it. And one of the things that would have been nice is that the miniseries that spun out of it gave you the backstories of everything that led the characters to where they were in Convergence. So if we saw Guy Gardner in Convergence, the reason he is there is because of the miniseries, the two-issue miniseries that I wrote. Or if you see Shazam, so that way you know their struggles that led them to where they were, so that there would be more uh, at stake emotionally. I'm going to... I feel like... Point five? Can I do that? Eight point five. I'm just going to round that up to nine. That's that's how I roll. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that was I think the weakest part of some of the series was that we have seen some of these characters grow and like particularly with the Superboy in the Zero Hour era, we're going back to a point where he hasn't grown as a character. He's not matured, and you know it's it's a li- little bit. Uh, backwards on the character's, you know, maturity. And that was sort of like, well, we've seen him being a, a jerk to everybody. It'd be nice to see him when he was past that point. But the continuity wasn't wasn't there for that. I mean, but you dodged that bullet by um, tapping into a Guy Gardner from before he was a jerk. So, um, Right. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, and you know what's interesting? Oh, what's interesting, too, about Guy Gardner is that people forget that he wasn't always a jerk. Yeah, you know, and that was that was really nice is to remind himself that this guy used to be a school teacher. He, you know, he used to be he used to, he used to be cool. Yeah, and kind and nice. And there was a reason why he was chosen to be a Green Lantern to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's you know. So it was nice to pull pull that in. I'm sorry, I'm distracting from the scoring. Let's talk about art and covers. Art and covers, yes. So, all right, David, what do you think of the art and covers? Uh, I, I really like the art in the covers. I thought one of the things that made this a really interesting event, from my perspective, 
is that artists that don't generally work for DC or haven't worked for DC in a long time had an opportunity to, to really step in. So you saw Chris Cross, you saw, um, you know, Ron Randall. It was a really fun opportunity. Uh, you saw Tim Truman. You saw a lot of creative vibrancy that I, I thought really made it feel, I don't know, new and different. Yeah. No. I'm Steve Ellis, who, who, you know, had worked with DC in the past, but, you know, it, it'd been the first time we'd worked on a superhero story together. So, yeah, that, I think DC was willing to take chances on that work that they they just generally don't do, and, and that I was really appreciative of that. So what do you score it? I think I'm going to score it a nine. A nine. Yeah, I would go 8.5, but let's go nine. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be a nine. <laughs> you don't get that option. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give the art an eight, and I, I, th- I really agree with you that the, the diversity in the art was one of the pluses here. Uh, DC, the New 52, it kind of had a house style, and it was very sort of... Um, a bit Jim Lee and these Jim series Jim Lee forward yes yeah and these series really moved in different directions like some of the art is really surprising like the um, the Jim Fern stuff in World's Finest or you know uh, Claude Saint-Aubon in um, action comics it's you know it's really nice stuff and it's not artists that we see all the time Phil Winslade and Ben Caldwell and you know and as you said Tim Truman and Carlos Dander his um Outsiders, Batman and the Outsiders is terrific. And there's Tom Mandrake in there on the Suicide Squad. And so, yeah, lots of really, you know, different looking art. And it's really, yeah, good variety. And, you know, it's not the typical stuff you, you see. Yeah, the Harley Quinn one with Phil Winslade, which is just, it's like a cartoon with uh, Harley Quinn fighting Captain Carrot and his uh, comrades. That, you know, it's just good fun <laughs> and not something you see all the time. So, yeah, I really appreciated it. Uh, what about you, Mike? You, you, you're my, uh, mainly on the main series, so you've got a, you've got a harder cross to bear. Mine is just on the main series. I'm going to give it an eight as well. Um, it's it's really good stuff, uh, despite the fact that there's pretty much a different art team on each issue. Uh, I, I would have preferred, if possible, for them to have a consistent team all the way through all the issues. But overall, it's it's really good, consistently well done stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, strong visuals and, and great colors and that, uh, nothing that sort of leapt out and wowed me and is stuck in my memory, but yeah, it was consistently good stuff uh, across the main series. So I think, um, yeah, eight overall, uh-huh. which will come down to a four cause I'm the semi. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the mass assessments. Um, all right. Now impact and legacy, David, what do you think about the impact and legacy of this one? I think that the man, Jonathan Kent is so cool, but by and large, outside of Jonathan Kent, uh, a lot of the stuff just didn't have the same level of resonance and and didn't really carry even through Rebirth. So I'm going to – I like Jonathan Kent. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to give it a six, but had Jonathan not made it through Convergence, I would have probably given it a – two or three that's and that doesn't mean that low score doesn't mean that it's that the stories aren't great or whatever it just means like there's just not that same sort of impact that 
for all of its inventiveness, it doesn't have the same kind of impact that Crisis had, for instance. No, no, absolutely. The, the scoring is what yeah. it is for each category, so, you know, you can't you can't say something has an impact in Legacy when it really doesn't, so... Hmm. Right. Yeah. But but six because of Jonathan Kent, who has made Super Sons so good. So I feel like that is a very fair... It's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, Mike, what do you think? I... Uh, I... I'm so conflicted about convergence as <laughs> as a thing because on the one hand it's a great idea, on the other hand the execution of the main series just bugs me. Um, so I'm going to go on the fence and give it a five, mostly because uh, Jonathan Kent, as we've said, he he's like the biggest thing that is still around after this event, uh, and the fact that it happened and it kind of started wrapping up the new 52 period and, and leading into to what came after. I'm I'm gonna say five. So does that make me two point five or three for my semi pool? Um, three. We add them we all up and then, up. then we round them up. So yeah. But uh, all right. So my turn now. The convergence main series. I think it is actually, it's wrapping up things in the new fifty two. It's not really forward looking. So it's it's more backwards looking. Like it's mm. taking care of the future's end on the Earth two, and um, you know, the dark side invasion of earth in earth 2 is getting all fixed up in that and yeah it's yeah i don't th- i don't think it's it's strong on impact <laughs> and legacy yeah, yeah jonathan kent definitely is the main thing to come out of that um on balance okay. i think that's worth about two out of ten and so i'm i'm seeming harsh there but that's what i'm giving it so yeah we yeah. now have all our scores in so there'll be a 20 minute break while i do the maths <laughs> All right, so yeah, I have done all the maths. I uh, I brought out everything that I needed to do that. Got the abacus and all that. <laughs> and all right, so David, you we add yours up and we get a total of thirty-four. Thirty-four out of forty. Mike, we add yours up and you gave it twenty-five out of forty, but we halved that and we rounded up and that comes to thirteen. Correct. Yep. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yep. And I gave it twenty-six out of forty, and so. If you add all those together, we get 73 out of 100. 73, that's quite a high score. And That's a passing grade. That is passing that's not grade. Bad. Yeah. That, and, yeah, I, as I said, it's a weird one. There's, you know, yeah, grab some of the minis. Check them out. Get DC Universe. Get a VPN. Get DC Universe, unless you're American. You bloody Americans. <laughs> um, yeah. We're so, the worst. Oh. I don't know. We're we're trying to catch up. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we've got the scores sorted out, what sort of event type do we reckon this is? What do you think, David? Well, uh, from the chart that you've given me, uh, you've you've suggested that there are different types of events. So obviously the fixer event adjusts continuity, uh, sort of like Crisis on Infinite Earth, Rebirth, Zero Hour. You have the Occupier, uh, which is sort of gives comic titles a story to tell. Uh, the Launcher, which is really designed to create new books or ideas. Uh, mm. That was very common with like uh, Bloodlines or Underworld Unleashed. And the Vanity Project, which is very creator driven, like Kingdom Come, Identity Crisis or, or Final Crisis. Yeah. So for me, uh, first of all, my editorial, uh, my my sort of like editorial brain is 
saying, you know, I really miss when titles went through annuals like Armageddon 2001 and Bloodlines. Mm. I miss that. And even with Marvel, when they did like Atlantis Attacks, I miss or Evolutionary War uh, because what it made was it made those annuals feel special. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And the events special. Yeah. And it gave me an opportunity to to pick up titles for characters that I wouldn't necessarily want to like that I wanted to learn more about. So like um, that that made it really interesting and real special. So when I I mean I became a fan of Hawk and Dove and Flash and a bunch of other books because of Armageddon 2001 um, back in the day. I mean that's one, I mean, more than 20, that's 30 years ago, 31 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, I did. And, um, you know, so, uh, and I feel like in a way the, this, this series convergence sort of follows in that group of the occupier in a way it, it showcases, um, everything that, yes, it, it can fix stuff. And yes, it launched a new title, and, and yes, this was sort of, uh, uh, I don't want to say a vanity project, but it did have a very clear story to tell. But ultimately, at the end of the day, this uh, this is the occupier. It exists to tell a story um, and celebrate the DC universe in, in a, a really fun, positive, upbeat way. And, and in a time, too, when DC was, you know, moving across the country. I mean, that's to be able to get all of this done in that amount of space um, really, really is something else. Yeah, Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's a sort of event that hasn't really happened before. It's kind of like a celebration or a a party event. It's, (laughs) you know, it it doesn't really fit with the other categories. I must admit it's 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 kind of unique. Yeah, it's like a jam project. It's like. Let's get these guys out. Marv Wolf, you want Marv Wolfman? We've got him. You want Len Wein? We've got him too. Larry Hama on Wonder Woman? Fantastic. This is literally Marie and, and Dan Zadio opening up their Rolodex and saying, you know what? So great. Everything. Let's bring in Ron Mars. Let's bring in, you know, Justin Gray. Let's bring in, you know, that to me is, that to me is really something else. Let's bring in David Gallagher. Yeah, that's right, man. I like werewolves. Uh, clearly, I'm the best person to write a comic book about space cops. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, so this event is it's 73. That puts it on par with our worlds at war. So um, we uh, it's it's equal 14th on our list of events as far as rankings. So that's in the top half. So very impressive for convergence. Well done, convergence. Yeah. All right, there's a little bit of feedback from our last episode. So we heard from Tim Price on the Dark Side War, and he said, I might have to give this one a read, taking it as a summer blockbuster popcorn-munching movie. Gotta say, I don't envy your show trying to score impact and legacy on more recent events. 30 and 20 years old events are pretty easy to show how the story affects future comics, but now you're reaching the five-year-olds, and like children, it's not impossible to predict how they'll be viewed in 10-plus years. I applaud your efforts, good sirs. Thank you for another delightful episode with a great guest. Till next time. Yeah, yeah, that is the problem, and that is probably why we are not going to um, immediately dive into some of the more uh, 
current events that are still going right now because how can you tell how the impact and legacy if it's if it's you know still in that time it's like you know trying to write mm. the history books when it's all still unfolding if you know what i mean and yes yeah so yeah thanks for that tim david where can people find you and where do you want them to find you and what do you want them to buy Oh, well, I think everyone should buy a copy of The Only Living Boy Omnibus, which is available on uh, Amazon or any of your fine local comic shops or bookstores. It, the companion series, The Only Living Girl, which is about the daughter of evil mad scientists, that's available now, the first two volumes. Uh, you can pick up, of course, uh, Convergence, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, paperback, if you want to read some of the stories that are in this this event that we're talking about right here on this episode. And then uh, if you really enjoy Werewolves and the Old West, check out uh, High Moon, the Werewolf Western we did for DC Comics. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And Mike, uh, who are you? What do you do? Uh, I'm Mike. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AvantGarve. Uh, you can also find all of our shows on WaitingForDoom.com. Uh, so as this show that we're talking about, or Gary's show where Paul and I talk about anything and everything under the sun, uh, and uh, uh, our other show, uh, Waiting for Doom, all about the mighty Doom Patrol. So yeah, check them out. Uh, I'm Paul, you can find me at reading underscore Hicks on Twitter, and um, I'm on all those things that you said you were on, so yeah. And occasionally cool. I do other okay. people's podcasts when they ask, like you did that um, Justice League International, Mike, that was a good one. Yeah, that was good fun. Yeah, and sure. David did it too, we've all done that. Right. Oh, I forgot that I'm davidgallagher.com. That's my website, and you can find me at Twitter at davidgallagher. Uh, David Gallagher. Mm. And as always, if you want to see all the events in order on our ladder or listen to any of our other episodes, waitingfordoom.com has the event ladder, and you can see you can look at it in episode order, or you can go, let's see it in rank order, and go, ooh, spoilers. And um, so that's there for everyone. And what else have I got to tell people? Uh... What's coming up next on the feed, Paul? Yeah, thank you, Mike. I'm trying to bring up the script. So I think next time... I don't know what we're doing next time. Is it Waiting for Doom or is it a Gary show? Uh, but the next event we will be talking about will definitely be the Robin War. Anyway, that's all we've got time for. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. This is a promo. <laughs> Edit this out, please. Bounce wow 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 bounce wow. <laughs> is it a porno or a promo? It's a both. Both. It's a, <laughs> it's a promo.